Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us on tonight's program. We're going to look at four or five interesting stocks: ProMedicus, Zero, Splitit, Novanex, Gallon Lithium, and a surprise stock by Mike Gable. Mike, of course, will look at the, the technical analysis of those companies. Then we have uh, Julia Lee, of course, from Berman Invest, with her view on these companies and maybe a company that she likes or dislikes. And similarly, Junbei Lu of Tribeca Alpha Plus will add her insights, her views on these particular companies. And then Paul Ricard will look at Westpac reported today and announced a buyback, but the market didn't react the same way as it did to Woolworths and CBA when they announced a buyback. We'll see why, and we'll see if Westpac is a buy at this slightly lower share price. That's the show. Well, we kick off now with Julia Lee of Berman Invest. Well, joining us as she always does first up on the show is Julia Lee. Good to see you, Julia. Good to see you, Pete. Okay, so I've um, run through a number of stocks that people have been asking me about, and I always like to get your insights on it. Let's kick off with one that I know you've talked about in the past, and that's ProMedicus. Sure. You know, Pete, I really like ProMedicus. What we've seen here is strong growth and a really innovative product. What ProMedicus looks at is medical imaging. So basically, doctors, they can open up a file or receive a file of the image rather than those traditional days when you had to physically take it to the doctor. Now, the importance here is that these files are very detailed and they can be quite big downloads. And one of the advantages ProMedicus has is a speed which uh, these files can be downloaded, which means doctors aren't hanging around and waiting for these files to be downloaded. Now, because of the strength of their product, they've seen strong take up in the US and strong growth coming through. I mean, the only problem I have with this stock is the valuation. Um, in terms of growth, it's been outstanding. And I guess on the flip side, if you have a if you're having a look at the potential risks, then it is a technology-based stock. So if we do see technology evolving, then that could be a negative for a ProMedicus. But for the time being, love the product, love the company, just don't like the valuation here. Um, but it looks like uh, it's all about growth here. So as long as they keep on winning new contracts, they should be able to keep the current levels. And you, and you kind of think, Julia, that they there's probably an enormous medical world out there that isn't currently using their product and so the potential market growth could be quite extraordinary. Yeah, Pete, I think that's true. But um, the problem here is that with the current valuations, a lot of that is already priced in. So okay. the question you have to ask yourself, where's the extra going to come from? The market's already so positive about ProMedicus's story. So whether uh, it's in terms of the R&D, and there doesn't seem to be anything huge in the pipeline at the moment. So I guess in terms of ProMedicus, um, the only bugbear I have about it is around the valuation. Growth has been strong, but look, that's all already priced in at these levels. Okay. Another company that's, you know, done pretty well, but just doesn't seem to beat 150 is zero. Do you think it will in coming months? Yeah, look, I think things are looking pretty good for zero. 
Um, if you have a look at, I guess, some of the things you can look at to um, weigh up Zero's business set, they include things like company formation, the number of insolvencies and bankruptcies, um, and also you can have a look at its competitors, uh, mainly insured over in the US. And if you have a look at any of these measures, things are looking pretty good for Zero. Not only have they been adding capabilities to their software, um, which makes it very competitive and very attractive, but recently we've seen a price rise as well. But if you have a look at things like company website visits and downloads, it doesn't seem to be impacting on the new subscriber growth, which is extremely positive, not only for revenue, but for earnings as well. So look, it looks like a bit of momentum here for zero and things are looking very positive, whether you're looking at the lack of insolvencies and bankruptcies out there, the number of new companies forming, and that price rise just seems to have been absorbed by the market. So looking good here. Okay, let's go to a, a company like Split It, which was very popular when it listed, and the market's fallen out of love with it pretty substantially. Is there any chance the market might rekindle its affection for Split It? Yeah, look, I just think the buy now, pay later space has become too crowded. So that extra competition means it's very hard to stand out in the crowd. Um, Splitter, I guess, has a bit of a different product where you can use the extra credit you have on your credit card to pay off installments in the buy now, pay later space. But that extra competition means that there's going to be more costs in acquiring customers as well as merchants. So more money needed needs to be spent, which of course means that margins come under pressure, not to mention that it's a lot more difficult to grow when there's extra competition coming through. So look, when you see that competition intensifying, that's usually a negative signal for the share price because it means that, you know, the market has to be shared with a lot more players out there. So this is probably one that I'd, I'd avoid, Pete. Okay. One area that you've always liked is the the, the new age companies linked mm -hmm. to electric vehicles, lithiums and batteries and stuff like that. Novanix has done really well, um, unbelievably well, but can keep on doing it. Yeah, I mean, Novanix, if you have a look at the share price, it's almost gone vertical at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's looking really good, but um, it does look like the market's maybe getting a little bit over exuberant in the in the short term around its share price. Now, it looks at things like battery testing. It also has an anode material, which it sells to Samsung, and it's got some memorandums of understanding with some other players in the marketplace. So look, I think it's a really innovative company. It looks really quite interesting. I'd just be waiting for a bit of a pullback in terms of the share price. So um, I think it's looking overly optimistic where it is at the moment and it's probably run too hard, too fast, and I'd be waiting for a pullback. But certainly, you know, that electric vehicle story is driving so much yeah. of um, this space at the moment and that's likely to continue with the emphasis on um, the environment as well as moving towards net zero. Yeah, that story last week where Hertz bought 100,000 Teslas <laughs> And 50,000 are going to be used by Uber. It's such a modern story, but the story is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, isn't it? Absolutely. I remember once um, I got picked up in a Tesla um, when I ordered an Uber and it was, I, I said to the guy, he had, um, I think, 
six of them. I said, how can you justify the cost? Because they're quite expensive cars to buy. And he said, well, there's little spent that he needs to spend on maintenance besides uh, brake pads. Um, and in terms of petrol, you know, he doesn't have to pay mm. petrol either. So he actually saw it as a, an investment and a good investment in that uh, area um, because of the lack of maintenance that he had to pay. So look, I think um, that electric vehicle space is, is only going to get stronger. And it looks like most analysts around the globe have underestimated how quickly the pace um, that this is going to be adopted. And look, this is being driven not only at the consumer level, but from the government as well as mm -hmm. institutional investment as well. Okay, let's go to another one. This actually was put to me at a lunch on Friday by a colleague who got in at very low prices. He basically wants me to, wants me to tell him it's going to keep going up. But <laughs> Gallon Lithium has done very well. But what do you know about the company? Sure. So this is um, mostly around a, a project over in Argentina and it's a brine project. And when it comes to lithium, I guess there's a few things that you look at. First of all, whether it's brine or hard rock. Um, and in this case, it's brine. And then you have a look at the grades and the grades here have, have been outstanding, which is why the share price has been rising so much. So um, I guess in terms of uh, the hierarchy of what you want to see in a project, hard rock tends to be uh, more desirable, which is great news for Australian lithium miners because generally that's what we get here in Australia. So Pilbara Minerals is hard rock. And when you're having a look at hard rock, you're looking at producing hydro, um, lithium hydroxide rather than lithium carbonate. Um, but, you know, the market is so strong at the moment that at the moment supply can't keep up with demand. And that's a great place to be, especially if you've got a higher quality product, which this company does. So um, lithium doing really well today on the market. And it's likely to continue to do well. You know, Pete, one of the things I like to look at when looking at stocks is whether there's an underlying cyclical cycle that's helping the company or a structural cycle. And in the case of electric vehicles and lithium, what we're really seeing is that structural shift, which is helping. The thing to be cautious of is that commodities usually aren't too hard to get out of the ground. Um, so what you want to watch for is the big supply response, which often comes with high prices as a signal to get out of commodities um, because, you know, lithium is found all around the world. It's not too hard to uh, find. The problem is that, that it usually takes a few years for a lithium mine to get up and running. So when you do see that big supply response, usually that's a signal to start uh, lightening the load in terms of uh, your lithium exposure. Okay, I'll be looking, but I'll, I'll get you to look as well. Tell us when there's oversupply, Julia. <laughs> I'll keep on looking, Pete. That's going to be your important job. Any other stock that you've seen this week that you've liked and you've added to your fund? Sure. Um, we're keeping a close eye on the agricultural stocks this month, and that's because the agricultural stocks, um, they instead of uh, reporting in August, they report in November. So these are stocks like Instech Pivot, New Farm, both of which we like. Orica will be reporting this month as well, Elders, Select Harvest, United Malt. So all of these companies we're having another look at. At the moment in the portfolio, we have our New Farm and Instech Pivot. New Farm in particular is looking relatively cheap. Now in its half year results, it did imply that um, that its uh, result would be weighted towards the first half because we did see a bit of an early season. But if you have a look at cropping conditions in Australia as well as Europe, they have remained quite favourable. So I'm optimistic that they can beat expectations and that we're in a bit of an upgrade cycle here. So a new farm would be my pick this week and watching that carefully because all of these companies will report in the middle of November. Okay, Julie, thanks for joining us.
Thanks, Pete. Well, joining us now is my charts guy, Mike Gable from Fairmont Equities. Mike, great to see you. Thanks, Peter. I know you're more than a charts guy, but <laughs> that's your prime function for you in my life. <laughs> and we Thanks, love, mate. and we love you being the charts guy. Um, these are stocks that people have asked me about. Uh, we've looked at what the analysts have said, but we always like to see what your charts are telling you. And Prometic is an interesting one, isn't it? It's really gone for a big run, but lately has come off the boil. What's, what are the charts telling you now? I think it actually looks like a, a buy again. So, so Prometicus has been in an uptrend for, for a while. Um, most recently, um, as you mentioned, sort of towards the end of August, the shares had, um, had cooled off a bit. So they had a great um, set of results there, which, which gave it that spike up to a new high. Um, and then, you know, a bit of heat came out of the share price, but, you know, the whole market was coming back during that time as well. Yeah. But what I've noticed over the last few weeks is it has, you know, stopped falling, which is the main thing. The, the range has started to tighten up and I'm starting to see some buying again. So, yeah, there is a little bit of resistance around this $55 mark, but it looks like it's, it's happy to go through that. Um, and I think it'll be trading higher for me. Yeah, and I guess looking at its previous high of around 65 or so, you know, given us well, around 55 now, if you make if you can make 10 bucks on 55, it's not a bad return for a company that's got a lot, of, lot going for it, fundamentally speaking. Yeah, exactly. It's um, look, it is pretty pricey, and of course, if we see long-term yields go up, could affect PME, but you know, zero debt. It's in the um, the medical space. Yeah, look, it's a really good business. And I think if you're looking to buy it, I think in terms of timing, now's the right time because I think it will head high. Okay, let's go to the next one now. And it's XRO Zero. Um, it does go up and down a, a bit like a, the saw the saw teeth or a teeth of a saw. Mm. But it certainly goes up, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. This, this is also another... Um, another stock that's been in an uptrend for a long time but for most of this year it hasn't made any progress and and I guess that's true of a lot of um, tech companies on the ASX they they sort of peaked at the start of the year and then have failed to to really kick on um, in terms of the way zero is trading here it's as I've sort of indicated with those blue lines the the range for the year is starting to tighten up so um, in terms of charting setups, this is known as an ascending triangle. So you've got higher lows throughout the year, um, but there is some clear resistance around that sort of 155 level, which mm -hmm. is where it is now. So it does look like it's, you know, it, it's at that level where if it breaks through 155, so I think if you see it push through 160, that's that's definitely a buying opportunity. I think the only caveat with this one is over the last several weeks, I don't like the way it was sold off quite sharply there in 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 sort of sort of late September, early October. Um, so although it is back at that resistance level, and we have to keep an eye out for any sort of break, um, I think it'll probably just spend a little bit more time around one hundred and fifty dollars. Again, with what's happening with rates out there, it wouldn't surprise me that. Um, that there is still a little bit of selling at the moment for this, but longer mm -hmm. term, you know, pretty good looking chart. 
So I yeah. guess what you're saying is if if we're around what 155 and we drop down to a, like a 145 or something like that, given what this has been doing, and also the fact that around November, December, January is often very very solid months for the stock market. That's when zero is likely to break out if it's going to break out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think at the moment with zero, it's just a case of you know what those long term rates are doing because it's you know trades on a on a nosebleed PE, so it needs to. Um, we need to make sure those rates stay low. But yeah, if they do, and and the market continues to kick on through to Christmas, then then that could give us the breakout for zero. Okay, next one, uh, split it. This was a company that was very popular when it first came on the market. As you can mm. see, it's increasingly lost popularity. Is there yeah. any signs that maybe that uh, that promise of this company is going to start being believed by the market? Yeah, there are some signs that that this downtrend um, is slowing down. So, if we have a look all the way at the bottom right, that that bounce in September um, was quite interesting. So, this is a daily chart. So, we've had three days, three days up where where this stock went from sort of low thirty cent region to to the mid forties, but since then it's it's drifted sideways. So, I find that interesting because yeah, after that bounce, it's clear that we haven't seen a lot of selling come in and, and really push it down again. So, again, it's um, it's not one of those sort of situations where it's sort of black and white, okay, it's gone from being a sell now to buy. It's It's gone from being a sell potentially to this is levelling out and now we just need to see that, that next step, which is, you know, basically we need to take out some previous highs and we need to see some good buying come in. So... It's one of those ones where it's sort of early days. Looks like it might be leveling out now. Okay, it might it might be building a base. You suggest? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, next one is a company called Novanix. It was I know it was talked about in the Switzer um, report. You know, probably around July or so. Because I know um, my wife Maureen bought some of our super fund, and she's been very happy with herself. Um, uh, this seems like a pretty popular stock as well. Yeah, this is, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's clearly had a fantastic run. Price action the last several weeks is is sort of unusual. And the reason why I say that is after such a strong run up in July, August, September, mm. you know, we then had that big sell down at the end of September where it dropped from about $7 to to about $5 there. Um, now, when you get a sharp move down like that, normally a share price would need to, so just use up a bit more time and just you know digest that move. I remember seeing this this move downwards and, and thinking, okay, well I'll keep an eye on Obenix for a while. Um, or I'll come back to it a while later because it might be a buy again. What I was expecting was if we have a look to at the left hand side of this chart in at the end of January this year, we saw something similar. There was a sharp sell off, but then I was expecting like a bit of a flat, yeah, you know, sort of base build again before it can get going, but. Um, for some reason, this after dropping very suddenly, it bounced suddenly, um, which is a little bit unusual. But again, when you see a move like that, often it gets back to the previous high and then you get the selling kick in. This one went up to $7. Uh, it only went down for one day and it's, it's kept going. So, um, yeah, very, very bullish price action, probably over overshot in the short term. So... You know, I wouldn't be turning up tomorrow morning and buying it. 
straight away necessarily. I think, again, we can let a little bit of heat come out, but yeah, unusual, but but in a good way if you're a shareholder. But Mike, if you look at that chart, there's so many instances where hits are high, falls away pretty rapidly, but then rebounds pretty quickly, doesn't it? Like every one of those sell-offs, apart from maybe the July-August one, but the, mm. the um, August-September one, down quickly, back up again. The October one, down quickly, up again. Go back, go over to um, January where you made that point before. It seems that there's, there's some very committed people whenever a buying opportunity comes along with this company. Yeah, I think I think the difference back then in August-September was it had only just surpassed the January high. So, you know, we had sort of seven or eight months of, of people being able to sell it and, and that gave it a little bit more sustainability. So for it to, to breach the September high now in the space of only several weeks is yeah, just just a little bit little bit different. But but as you say, it's a sign of strength. So yeah, it's looking good at the moment. Okay. The next company is a company called Gallon GLN. It also has a pretty good, has got a pretty good uh, uh, price chart and has had a real takeoff in recent times as well. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's um, it's been trending very well over over the last year, nice and nice and sustainable. So even though each of the individual moves are very strong, it it then pulls back a bit and yeah, he, a bit of heat comes out of the share price and then it gets going again. So. Um, I mean, I've I've been in and out of this a couple of times myself. Just you know, just as a as a trade, it's a nice little trading stock. Unfortunately, I didn't see the move today because um, that was a buying opportunity. So basically, I put that blue line there to show where the previous high was, and um, and the breach of that, in my opinion, um, was a buying opportunity. So the reason why I think this one is more of a buying opportunity on this break than the previous stock is because it just has used up a little bit more time. So we could see that after that peak in early August, you know, it eased back, um, yeah, gave, gave investors or traders um, plenty of time to, to sell out. Then it ran up to the old high near $1.30, spent the last week uh, congesting under it and then popped up today. So um, that, that's a buying opportunity. I know a lot, of, a lot of people are a bit too scared to buy something that makes an all time high, but um, as we could see with this particular stock, it's uh, this is the third time it's had this um, this setup over the last year. We could see, yeah, sort of in the first quarter of this year, it, it did a similar thing, um, and again in the middle of the year. And you can see each time it breaks to a new high, it tends to kick on for a few days, and those moves are, are pretty substantial. We're not talking five, ten percent; it makes sort of twenty, thirty yeah, percent um, in a is, few days. Yeah. There's no company I know all that well that. I was having lunch with a friend on Friday and uh, he was the one who, who told me about it. I thought, well, it seems like it's having a really good run. Is, is it in the lithium space, um, Mike? Yeah, so they're uh, a lithium uh, explorer down in down in South America. So look, yeah, Argentina, I think it is. I think, these, I think these ones are a little bit of dime a dozen at the moment. Everyone's jumping on that, that lithium bandwagon. But, um, yeah, look, while the money flows there, it's, it's clearly benefiting stocks like this and, you know, if you can get involved, but keep your, you know, keep your risk management in check. I think you can do well trading these ones. Okay, let's go to the next one. This is purely personal interest, and uh, yeah, 
I have a, a shareholding in CGA Contango is actually managed by my son Marty Switzer, and uh, that they actually bought our Switzer Dividend Growth Fund. They were the managers, and they bought it, and I've ended up with shares. I'm just curious; it's it's done uh, pretty well. Um, but what's the chart telling you about CGA? So this is a this is a weekly chart. First up, so yeah, not not as liquid as as the other stocks out there. So I've just moved to a weekly chart just to get a bit more of a, um, a pattern. Uh, going here, obviously, you know, up until the start of this year, uh, it's been sort of flatlining in a way, but yeah, really, really big move. Um, well, actually, since the since the end of um, those COVID lows, actually, so you're looking at a thirty cent move to to over a dollar. But even though it's come back in the last few weeks, it's it still has that uptrend. Um, if I look at all the previous lows. Um, and just referencing back to, it looks like back in March this year was the prior low. What it's done in the last few weeks is get close to that by pulling back to 80 cents and then bouncing again. So at the moment, there is still um, there is still an uptrend. Mm, yeah. Uh, it, it's obviously driven not by the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund, which is more a very sedate kind of fund, but it is driven by the success of WCM and uh, WCMQ uh, and WQG, which are, you know, based fund manager, which has done very well since it's listed on the Australian stock market. So just an interesting little self-interest. I don't do that very often, but I was in, I'm glad to see you think it's on the uptrend. I'll keep talking to my son and going forward. Let's go to the next one. This is your selection, CBA. Yeah, so I think um, I think CBA looks like it wants to, to kick on here, obviously, with the other... Um, with the other major banks, ANZ, NAB and Westpac, uh, they're going ex-dividend very soon. So I know the temptation is to look at those and try to get a dividend in a few weeks as opposed to in a few months, CBA will go ex-div um, in February. But, but CBA is trading better. It's the better bank. Longer term, it's delivered um, the, the return. It's delivered better returns than the other um, big four banks. But it's yeah, look, it's it's trading better here. So while the others are quite quite volatile at the moment, Westpac's down about six percent today. Um, their CBA is doing really well. So what I've noticed with the way it's trading since June, um, it's basically gone sideways, made no progress. But we could see that it has been forming those those higher lows, which is what I've indicated with the um, diagonal line there. Um, there seems to be a bit of resistance here around 106. Obviously, in August, it, it sort of went through that level. Um, it came back. Uh, it looks like just that one or two days is a bit of an aberration. But generally, it's been building up quite nicely. Um, and I think if it could start trading um, with a sort of a 107 or even a 108 uh, level, then, you know, to me, that would be a, a bit of a break. And then, you know, then it should continue on. So... You know, generally with the banks, I think they'll do well. Obviously, if the market's going up, the banks will go up. If the economy is improving, that's good for the banks. If interest rates look like they're going up, yeah. that's good for the banks. So I think we're in a bit of a, a sweet spot at the moment where we might get another kick along for the banks. And in my opinion, well, my advice would be, you know, don't don't worry too much about those that are about to go extinct. If you could just be a little bit patient and wait a couple of months, I think your capital... Um, will hold up a lot better in CBA, judging by the way it's trading. 
Yeah, and I guess, Mike, if they, if they hadn't done a buyback, it'd probably be a lot higher than 105. It'd probably be 107, 108. Well, it looks like it's it's trying to catch up now. It's uh, yeah. as I said, every time it dips, there's there's been buying, so it's it's digested all of that, uh, and it looks like it's ready to roll. And I also look at it this way, you know, if you think interest rates are rising, and you're talking about a, a pretty big boom economic year in 2022, well, then you kind of think, well, the share price could easily go up five percent, and then the dividend plus franking's worth about five percent, isn't it? So there's 10%. Mm. So 10% is not a bad return for a quality company. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the, I think you can get more than 5% return in, in the capital, to be honest, I mm, think. So I. Yeah, I think, yeah, look, it's sitting near record highs, but, you know, highs, highs and records are made to be broken, and yeah. I think this one will kick on next year. Yeah. I guess if you look at the chart for Tesla and Microsoft, you see new records get created all the time. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, Peter. Well, joining me now is June Baylou of Tribeca Alpha Plus. Great to see you, June Baylou. Great to see you, Peter. And it's great to be back in the office for you, isn't it? It, it sure is. <laughs> and uh, I think the economy will benefit from it as well. Why don't we just go straight into some of these unusual stocks? Well, they're actually not unusual. A lot of these stocks have done well, and the question is, can they do well again? The first interesting one is Prometicus. What do you think of that company? Well, I love that company. I think it's one of uh, one of its own kind. Um, it's actually one of the few really right, um, bright spot of the market, you know, over a long period of time. Uh, it is an innovator in that whole diagnostic imaging space. And, uh, you know, its software is, is actually being utilized by, by many of the top uh, hospitals there in, not only in Australia, um, actually in the US as well. Uh, and to be highly recommended, um, you know, this company is uh, the state as an innovator of that space um, and it will continue to be so. Um, share price hasn't really, it's done very well over the last few years, just more recently had a bit of pullback. Our view is that that's only going to be temporary. Uh, the way it's winning contracts, even during COVID, is showing incredible strong business momentum. It's definitely a buy. Okay. Let's go to another one. There's a company I really like. It's kind of being, it's kind of hitting its all-time high and not going much above it, but Gee, I reckon next year will be a good year for it. Zero. What do you think? Oh, I love that company too. Look, um, you're right. It's at $150. Certainly feels like it's uh, it's quite high. However, uh, if you look at the share price and relative, uh, you know, this share price relative to a few other names, I think there's more to go. Don't forget the company has yet to report. Um, so it did have a bit of pullback, but very quickly uh, got picked up by, uh, you know, long-term investors. I think the result will be very strong. This company, don't forget, was impacted by the uh, lockdown. The small businesses were impacted by lockdown. So it, its earning will be leveraged to the reopening of the economy as well. Mm. So my view is that it's got further to go. Okay, here's a company that got a lot of great publicity when it first kicked off, but the market really hasn't warmed to it. And, but you like tech stocks, split it. What do you think, what do you think uh, of split it? 
Yeah, look, I like tech stock, but I think the payment space is getting increasingly more competitive. Um, you know, share price hasn't done very well. But if you look at the rest of the payment space, um, most of the share price hasn't really gone anywhere in the last three to four months, simply because those things are good. Um, the competition is picking up. You know, it's great um, Afterpay and the uh, Zip and the others, they actually sign up with some with large players in the US. Um, otherwise, you become, you know, lack scale and, um, you know, you will lose out over the medium term. Yeah, so split, split is split. too small to get excited about. Let's go to another one that has done really well, Novanix. What do you think of Novanix? I think it's like any of those hot stock. It certainly uh, is doing the right thing in that whole um, uh, in that in that whole space. Look, the share price would suggest it's a little bit toppy. Uh, it mm. does remember remind me of another stock called Calix. Um, it's um, you know sort of all in that whole um, you know sort of renewable sort of space. Um, and uh, look, it just be very very hot, and just be mindful of piling piling money into something um, that has done incredibly well. And uh, you know, in terms of the future earnings there's a lot being built into expectations um i would much rather hold back and wait yeah, yeah. okay this is another one i guess is in the the, the the uber cool space nowadays that's gallon gallon resources what do you think of that yeah. Look at again, it's in that whole EV and lithium space. Um, mm. It's got a good um, good deposit in uh, Argentina. Um, it's early stage, so still drilling, getting Ooh. drilling results and the like. It's speculative, but it's in the right space. Now, uh, if you uh, lithium is it, the uh, to buy a mining company is one is you need to form a view of whether you like the commodity and two is that whether it's a good company. Now for the company itself, it seems okay, a little bit early stage, a little bit high risk. Um, but for the lithium, um, honestly, there's so much demand for those goods. Um, you know, the price is going higher. Every contract is strapped uh, strike at a much higher price than what it was before. So it's, you know, there's, there's a lot more to go for those names. Uh, my preference will be in the more established player like Oracobre or um, PL. Um, um, but uh, look, that that is a higher risk proposition, but it's in the right space. Okay. So, what what have you learned to like or dislike in recent times? Look, in recent times, the market actually being has been reasonably volatile. Uh, it is throwing up throwing up a lot of interesting opportunities. Even high quality big cap stocks, you are seeing those opportunities. You know, one example was the one you talked to, uh, zero. So zero recently, actually a few weeks ago, went to one hundred thirty dollars, but very quickly caught up. But other ones, Endeavor is one that you should really look at. Um, earnings going to reopen. You know, re earnings going to grow higher as the economy opens up, and it's incredibly defensive. Um, sell alcohol uh, to restaurants as well as their Murphy. So, you know, very defensive earning. That's a good company. Another company that's been sold off a lot in the last few months uh, is Domino's. Um, you know, incredible result it delivered. And it's not just Australia, it's global and it bought into new territory. Um, you should be able to see double digit growth for many years to come. But share price come up because look, um, it Again, the market is got too hot, um, mm. and there was a, a few people looking at it, thinking whether it's a COVID beneficiary or um, or anything else. My view is that the result uh, AGM that's coming up, which is this Wednesday, it should be reasonably strong. So I think that's a really good buy as well. I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough time. <laughs> no, we'll we'll save that for uh, two weeks' time. But Jim Lu, <laughs> thanks for giving us your um, insights. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Well, today we learned that Westpac was um, 
going to be doing a buyback and the market wasn't all that positive. So to talk about this Westpac decision and the market reaction, we have Paul Rickard of the Switz Report. Paul, are you surprised at the market's reaction? A little bit, Peter, because the buyback was only part expected as $3.5 billion. There's a bit of negative, there's a negative part of the buyback in the sense that the capital component is quite high in relative terms, which means that the fully frank dividend uh, makes up a, lo a lot smaller percentage than normal. So the buyback's not quite as valuable as perhaps the Woolworths and the CBA buybacks were. But it might be the first buyback where we don't actually see a 14% discount. That's more like about 10%, but we've, we'll work that out over the next three or four weeks. I guess the market was reacting more to Westpac's profit result, Peter, which, um, look, there were some positives, but certainly the positives were outweighed by the negatives. Yeah, so the, the market has pretty well assessed Westpac as being the, the struggler bank, haven't they, in recent times? Has this report basically shown that the market was right? Yeah, really it has, Peter. I mean, still very much a fixed proposition of Westpac. I mean, there were some positives. I guess the main positive was that they got some volume growth, so their home loans were up by $12 billion in the second half, and also they had some volume growth on business banking. The negative, it looks like they've um, really had to cut prices. In other words, uh, their interest margin got really badly squeezed to get that volume growth. And also, because it's still in a fixed state, costs are going up. Now, Westpac says it's committed to you know, to its $8 billion cost target by FY24, but in the short term, costs are still rising because there's so much, you know, legacy compliance work where they need more risk staff. Uh, and I think that's what the market didn't like. So it was really a function of the interest margin uh, and cost pressures. And yeah, a lot of people are thinking Westpac was, has, was about to turn the corner. I, I don't really think you could say Westpac has turned just yet. You think a lot of the banks, um are finding it a lot tougher because of the growth of mortgage broking groups. And so they're sharing, in a sense, their, their profits that they make from loans, where once upon a time, it primarily went to them. Yeah, and that's perhaps the Commonwealth Bank's real strength, Peter, is that it has by far and away the highest proportion of loans that are written by bank staff. Mm. Uh, and its use of mortgage brokers is is high, but still not as high, nowhere near as high as the ANZ or, or National Australia Bank. And even Westpac, for that matter. And of course, as you and I know, you know, mortgage brokers get paid a commission. They get paid an upfront commission and a trailing commission, and that means there's effectively about sixty or seventy basis points going up front to uh, the mortgage broker. Means it's not as profitable for the bank, so uh, and not as profitable um, because of trail commissions through the loan. So they'd much rather write it with their own staff. And and, and mortgage brokers also are shopping around to get the best rates. So banks are having to be more competitive. Yeah, and we've seen the, the results from the regional banks. They're doing a lot better. And I, I know Suncorp in particular, they rely pretty heavily on mortgage brokers to generate business that they ordinarily wouldn't get by themselves. Look, I think they are doing a little better. I mean, I think Westpac is, uh, is the lag out of four, as we know. And, uh, you know, these things take time. You know, we've seen it with the Commonwealth Bank when it went through its problems with anti-money laundering and a whole lot of other things. It was three or four years. Westpac's, I guess you know, in the same situation, it's got probably another year or so before it's really in the fixed state. I think there's also just a little bit of doubt about the management team, Peter. Are really these the right people? I mean, you know, they've, they're an interesting group of people running the bank and time will tell. 
Yeah. Paul, do you think Westpac's a buy for the patient investor? I think for the patient investor, down around $24, Peter, it's at a record discount now to the other major banks. Uh, it's starting to look attractive. We had about a 6% fall today. I think too big, but uh, the market can be a pretty harsh judge. Let's just see how that plays out. But, um, you know, this off-market buyback will provide opportunities for some, and, and Westpac at $24 looks pretty cheap now compared to some of the other majors. Okay. Just before you go, A2 Milk. Uh, A2 Milk had a bit of a run-up then last week, came off the boil. Um, is the market souring to A2, or do you think it's getting ready for a, a rebound? Look, I think it's it's found it's finding a bottom, Pete. I don't think there's going to be a, a quick re, a rebound. Um, you know, A2 Milk has uh, announced a plan last week to, you know, get sales back back up to two billion Kiwi dollars. It was one point seven in in FY twenty. It fell last year to one point two billion dollars. That's five hundred million dollars of sales. It's got to make out essentially because of the collapse of its China business. Uh, it's going to be you know hard work for them, but they've announced a plan. The market's going to want to see some signs that that's actually happening, uh, and that's going to take time. So I think A-bound, A2 Milk sorry, is uh, is a whole Peter. You know, if you own it like I do, I bought it at too high a price. I'm going to hang on to it, but I'm not expecting a big rebound in the short term. I think they've got to get the runs on the board. Yeah. The other thing that's hanging over A2 Milk, Peter, is that we have seen a fall in the Chinese birth rate, uh, quite pronounced during COVID. And that's a continuation of a long-term trend and notwithstanding the you know, government so-called getting out there and saying we want to have three children families, well, they're having trouble enough getting young adults to have families in the first place. Mm. So a long way to go from uh, to get that birth rate up. But it was down. So that's the other negative. Um, and I guess we want to see that sort of move around and get a bit more positive again. So, um, look, I think AT Milk is a hold. Um, I'm holding it and... Um, but I'm not expecting uh, an imminent rebound. Yeah. I guess um, a good sign for A2 is the fact that we're now seeing international borders opening up, and I guess the arrival of Chinese tourists again would be a good thing, but that's probably still six months off. Yeah, I mean, that's all going to help. And, and to be fair to A2 Mill, I mean, they actually did increase share and sales last year in with, with their so-called Chinese label brand. So the, the infant milk products they sell, Peter, there's the biggest market is in the Chinese labels goods. They don't quite command the same premium uh, that A2 Milk gets for its English label product. Uh, and that was where it really collapsed last year. So that's what really hurt A2 Milk. That's a much smaller part of the market, but the Chinese label uh, product that A2 Milk sells in so-called mother and baby stores right across China his share went up. So they're doing some good things. Okay. It's just that, uh, you know, part of the trade's been pretty hard and uh, it's a tough market. So, but I think, um, you know, you back them for the long term, but I think they're going to have to demonstrate some results first. Okay. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks, Peter. And that's the show for this week. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, you can get more analysis on these companies and more at the Switzer Report. So go to switzerreport.com.au. Once again, thanks for joining us. See you on Thursday.